Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to the fourth in our series, Heart Problems. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I want to begin by reading a passage of scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 12. It's short but it's kind of going to set the direction of where we're going this morning. This is Jesus speaking. He says this. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I want to call our message this morning, the blind spot. The blind spot. Now, for those of you guys who are at home, you can... um, Tell me if you know what I'm talking about. But one thing that I've realized is that there is nothing more embarrassing in life that when you have something on you, something wrong with you, when everyone else can see it, but you can't see it. Like there is nothing more embarrassing. Like if you have a hole in your pants and, and no one else can see it, or maybe like you got um, a stain on your shirt, uh, maybe you just... Uh, you went to the bathroom at work and you had toilet paper on your shoe or something and you didn't see it, but everyone else saw it. Like nothing in the world is more embarrassing than when everyone else can see something, but you can't see something. Now, if you have more examples in the comments, you can let us know. Um, but one thing I believe to be true, you can agree or disagree, there is nothing more embarrassing in life than when you have food stuck in your teeth and you do not see it. Like any of you guys ever been there, maybe you had like a work interview uh, or maybe you were on a date or something and maybe he's on a Skype call recently, a Zoom call, and you had food in your teeth and you didn't even know it. Like there's nothing more embarrassing. And so one thing uh, for, for my wife and I, the beauty of being married is that we can help each other see um, what the other can't see. And so one thing that like, I always uh, kind of you know, make fun of my wife for, she's an extremely healthy eater. And so I always say that she has like the diet of a rabbit because she loves to eat like berries and nuts and chia seeds and all of these little things. And those are meals for her and uh, just always kind of poke fun at her. But one thing that what happens with these meals with berries and seeds and all those things is that it's very easy for things to get stuck in your teeth. And so one of my jobs as her husband is I will always tell her if she has something in her teeth. Now, what's funny is that every single time without fail, if there is something in her teeth, I'll say, Chris, you have something in your teeth. And she does the same thing every single time without fail. And I'm sure if anyone tells you you have something in your teeth, you do the same thing too. She goes like this immediately, like, and she covers her mouth and then she tries to like get it out with her mouth. I'm not sure you can see that on the camera. Um, But it's funny because what I say to her, I always say, because she hides her mouth. And I say, Chris, I say, I already saw it in there. Just let me see it. I'll help you get it out. Uh, But it's funny. She never lets me see it. But eventually she gets it out. And, uh, man, I expect the same thing from her. If I ever have something in my teeth, her job, our job for each other is to help us see what the other person can't see. We're in the fourth part of our series uh, here at church called Heart Problems, breaking free from the four emotions that control us. Now, if this series has been helping any one of you guys, man, if this series has done something in the comments right now, can you just give a hand-raising emoji? I don't care if you're watching this live, whenever you're watching, if this has helped you, we want to hear from it. I just want to thank every single person that has reached out personally, sending us messages, just talking about how this stuff has impacted you. Um, 
We just, that's the whole reason we're doing this is we're just believing um, that God wants to give us freedom in our lives from the four emotions that control us. And so if you've been with us in this series so far, uh, we've gone through a variety of emotions. Every single week, one thing that's consistent uh, is our theme verse, Proverbs 4.23. We hope at home you've memorized it by now. It says this, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. You see, what we've said is that in life, I think so many of us, we all have routines, right? Like every single day, a lot of us, we shower. A lot of us, hopefully, we brush our teeth. Quarantine is not an excuse to stop brushing your teeth. All of us have these routines in our lives, things that we do every single day. But for a lot of us, one thing that we don't do, we don't even think of is guarding our hearts. Now, the reason guarding our hearts is so important is the Bible tells us literally everything that you do flows from it. And so what we've been doing in this series is we have been putting practices in place in order that we can guard our hearts. We're looking at four emotions, anger, greed, guilt, and jealousy. These are the four emotions. If you're with us last week, we looked at anger. In week one, we looked at guilt. And what we said with each of these, de- each of these uh, emotions is that these emotions carry a debt. And so we want to encourage you, if you have missed any of those messages, hop onto YouTube. You can catch up. This morning, what we are doing is we are looking at the emotion of greed. The emotion greed. Now, out of all the emotions that we're looking at in this series, greed is perhaps the most subtle, and oftentimes it is the hardest to distinguish in our lives. Now, for a lot of us, I know this to be true. When I've been previewing things every single week, a lot of us are like, yeah, you know what? Like, I I do have some anger. I've definitely struggled with guilt. A lot of us looking forward to next week, it's like, yeah, I've been jealous. I'm just, yeah, I've been there. But for a lot of us, in fact, I would say most of us, greed is the one thing that most of us will be like, you know what, that's not me. I'm not a greedy person. And so what we're doing today is we are looking at greed. Because like I said, greed is so subtle. What I mean by subtle is that so many of us have greed in our hearts, but we just can't see it. And so I believe today my job is to help you see what you can't see yourself. I want us to help, I want to help us begin to see our blind spots. Now, I want to encourage us this morning, man, this message is going to be challenging for a lot of us. Uh, I believe there's going to be some principles, some things that really we're going to feel exposed. And as I'm talking, I want you to understand, this message spoke to me personally, and I felt exposed. And when we feel exposed, we do that thing, right, where we just kind of, we cover up. And so all that to say, this message will be challenging. I'm going to challenge us, but the reason we need to be challenged is because on the other side of this, like every emotion, is freedom. Now, the beauty of today's message is, although it's going to be challenging, everything I'm saying comes from Jesus. And so if you've got a problem, talk to Jesus, not me. We're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 12 once again, and I want to look directly at the words of Jesus. Um, Jesus here, he's speaking to a crowd, and this is what he says. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This is the, the, the verse that we read off the top. Now, what's very interesting is there's two things I want us to notice. Number one, he says, guard against greed. Now, now, this is very similar to our title verse, Proverbs 4.23, where it says, guard your heart. And so Jesus is using the same language. It's this idea of guard, protect, because what we need to protect against is something that can attack us. He says greed can attack us. But here's the thing I want us to notice that he says. 
He says, watch out. Why does Jesus say watch out? I think the reason he says watch out is because greed, like I just said, is a subtle emotion. It's something that is within us, but not many of us know it's there. The way that Jesus is speaking is almost like greed is something that can sneak up on us. You want to know why it's so hard to distinguish greed in our lives? It's because greed hides behind virtuous principles. You're like, Harrison, what does that mean? Let me tell you. A greedy person is a saver. A greedy person is careful. A greedy person is always looking towards the future. A greedy person saves. Now, what you need to understand is that everything I have just said, to be a saver, to be a planner, to be careful, to think to the future, these are not bad things. I need us to understand that. These are not negative things. Those are all good things. But this is what makes greed so hard to distinguish is because we hide behind these virtuous things. And so what happens for so many of us is we don't know we have greed in our hearts because we have justified our actions because we hide behind virtuous principles. And so that's what makes greed so hard for us to find in our lives. And so many of us are saying, okay, Harrison, well, how do I know I have greed in my life then? How do I know I have greed if they hide behind all these virtuous things? I'll ask you a couple questions just to try to point us in a direction. And here's what I'll say. I'll just be straight up. Most of us struggle with greed. I struggle with greed. And so if you want to ask yourself a few questions, how do I know I'm I'm greedy? Number one, ask yourself this. When you give, are you always expecting to get something back? When you give, are there strings attached to your gift? In other words, because I give, you now owe. When you give, do you want people to know exactly what you've given? These are just a couple of things that can help us to begin to wonder, hey, is there greed in my heart? Now, that's very surface. We're going to dig beneath. Now, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, that's fine. That's cool. Um, I'm actually broke. So I don't got a job. Maybe you're a college student. Maybe you have a young family. And so you're saying to yourself, well, that's all right. I don't have money. Therefore, I can't struggle with greed. Therefore, I'm all right. But here's the thing I want us to understand about greed. Greed knows no socioeconomical barriers. What does that mean? That means that you can be rich and greedy. That means you can be poor and greedy. So you see, here's the thing about greed that makes it so hard to understand. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. I want us, he says, be on guard against, look at this, all kinds of greed. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Why does he say that? The reason that he says that is this, is that there are many ways in life for us to be greedy and they do not all involve finances. Now finances for a lot of us is a benchmark when it comes to greed, but the reality of greed is this. You can be greedy, you can be greedy with your time. You can be greedy with your talent. And like we've been saying, you can be greedy with your treasures. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you need to be on guard against all kinds of greed. Because greed does not just show up in our finances. When we have greed lodged in our hearts, it shows up in every single area of our lives. Our time, our talent, and our treasures. Now, every single emotion that we've been dealing with in this series, it carries with it a debt. 
If you're with us last week, we looked at, we looked at anger. And with anger came the debt that said, you owe me. If you're with us the week before, we looked at guilt, where guilt said, I owe you. In the same way, anger, or guilt, greed carries with it a debt. And the greed that comes with debt is, I owe me. I owe me. Here is the essence of how a greedy person thinks. It's super simple. It's everything that has happened in my life is a result of what I have done. And every good thing I have in my life is because I have earned it. Hashtag on my grind. Everything in my life is mine because I've earned it. And everything in my life that is coming is going to be because, because of the work that I put in. And so therefore, this debt comes. It says, I owe me. Because of what I have done, I owe me. Now, what's interesting about this thing that can become lodged in our hearts, what we have said with every single debt is that there is something behind it. Last week, we said this. We said, show me an angry person, and I'll show you a hurt person. The hurt is often the catalyst for anger. Now, but behind greed is another catalyst, and it's this. I believe the catalyst for greed is fear. Is fear. I would say it like this. If you want to see a greedy person, behind the greedy person is a scared person. Because greedy people are often dominated by the thought of what if. Well, what if the economy collapses? Well, what if I don't have enough? Well, what if, what if, what if I can't make it? And so therefore, because of our fear, we say to ourselves, I have to give to me. I have to focus on me. In other words, I owe me. If I were to break it down super simple, I would say this. People with greed in their hearts have the belief that God either can't take care of them or, they won't, or he won't take care of them. And so therefore, I need to take care of myself. Now, if you've been with us in this series, what you will know is that for every single problem, although it seems large, although it seems great, every single problem has had a solution. And in every single message, our solution has been so simple. And today, the solution to greed is as simple as the solutions in the messages past. If greed says, I owe me, what's the solution? Super simple. The solution is generosity. The solution to greed is to give. Now, if you've been with us in this series, I've kind of said the same thing every week. Although the solutions are easy, they're one word. They're a whole lot easier said than done. For all of us that have greed in our hearts, for all of us that live with that fear, that constant what if, that constant do I really have enough, it's a whole lot easier said than done to just start giving, to just start being generous. So what I want to do for the remainder of this message is I want to break down what it looks like to actually be generous, why we need to be generous, and how we can do this. And the beauty of our message this morning is that Jesus, he paints the way. He says, watch out, be on guard against greed. But then he breaks it down even further. And so what we're going to do is we're going to study the parable that Jesus tells immediately after giving this advice about greed. So we're going to go back to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, and I want to read the words of Jesus. And so it says this, Jesus told them this parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. 
and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, what you need to understand about this parable is that Jesus is using a very specific story to paint a universal picture. And so what that means in this story is there are so many little things, so many subtle things that a lot of us might not have noticed. And so if you didn't understand the parable, I will break it down to you very simply. There is a man who is a farmer. The farmer plants his crops and he has a harvest like he has never seen before. He has a year of favor. In fact, he has so much stuff that he now has a dilemma. The place that he has, the barn that he has, can no longer fit all of the things that he has. And so he has a solution. What's the solution? He says, I'm going to build a bigger barn. I'm going to store all that I have, and I'm going to save. And I'll say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, at the surface, a lot of us are saying to ourselves, well, what's the purpose of this story? I don't really get it. Like, is this story about saving? You see, for a lot of us, when we look at this parable, it's like, wait a second, this sounds like the American dream. Like, I work hard, I harvest all that I've got, and I, I retire early. Come on, somebody, that's the dream. Is that, is that the point that Jesus is trying to put up in this story? Now, what's funny, and we'll get to it in a moment, but the very next thing that Jesus tells us is that this man was a fool. Now, some of us are like, if that's foolishness, sign me up, like a lifetime supply of grain. But it's funny because what we need to understand is that Jesus is trying to, like I said, paint us a very universal picture of what it looks like to be greedy. Now, there's a reason that Jesus uses uh, the, the, the farmer as the example in this metaphor, other than the fact that he was speaking to a society that was heavily dominated um, by agriculture. But one of the reasons that Jesus very specifically talks about the farmer is this. Any person, anyone that knows a farmer, maybe you are a farmer, if you are out there, we love you. There is one thing that farmers know to be true. You can work, you can work, you can grind, you can grind, you can work 22 hours a day. But at the very end of the day, you are totally reliant on the weather. You guys know what I'm saying? Maybe you guys remember last summer, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but many of the farmers in Alberta actually considered it a, a, a complete lost year. It was a state of emergency. Why? Because it rained so much. And so one thing any farmer will tell you is that you can do whatever you can do, but at the very end of the day, there are things that you have no control over. You're at the mercy of something that is outside of your control. And so what Jesus wants us to see in this parable is that although, yes, he had an amazing year, it wasn't all because of what he had done. But I think the person in this story paints a picture of what the mindset of so many of us looks like. And the mindset is this. Whatever comes my way is because of what I have done to earn it. Everything I have in my life is mine. And so what happens is we begin to live with the mindset that I am the owner. I own it because I worked for it. I own it because of what I did. And so what God is trying to do is God is trying to expose our mindset. Because the reality, this is not a 2,000-year-ago issue. This is an issue that we still deal with today. For the majority of us, we have a mindset that says, everything that comes my way is because of what I have done. But what God is trying to get across, and this may offend you, this may make you look at me funny. 
What God is trying to say is at the very end of the day, everything that we have is actually a blessing from God. Everything, listen to this, everything that you have is because of the grace and the goodness of God. That's what he's trying to say in this parable. And that's what I want us to see. Because what greed says is quite the opposite. Greed says everything I have is because of me. Grace says everything I have is because of God. And so what I want to do is this. I want to begin to take that grip of greed off of our hearts. And so how do we do this? How do we live a life? Because for a lot of us, it's like, hold on one second, Harrison. I hear you, but you're not the one that wakes up at 5.30 a.m. every single day. Like, I I hear you, but you're not the one that's putting in 60 hours a week. I've never seen God check in for me. I've never seen God write code. I've never seen God teach these kids. I earned it. And so how do we change this mindset that says it's me into it was God? The answer is quite simple. We praise. We praise. Everything we have comes from God. How do we begin to see that? We praise. I'll explain it like this. I read a story this week um, about a pastor, uh, a church in in Washington, D.C., and he issued a challenge to his congregation. And his challenge was this. He called it the gratitude challenge. The whole purpose of this, the challenge, was that he wanted people to begin to see that God was moving in their lives, that God was doing amazing things in their lives, that they were blessed beyond what they could even see or imagine. And so the challenge was this. Every single time God does something good in your life, praise him. Praise him. Now, when he issued that challenge, he never thought of what was going to happen next. Turns out he had a doctor in his congregation. And so what this doctor decided to do is this doctor decided that she was literally going to praise God for every single thing that he did that day. And so what we're going to do, and I'm going to read something in a second because I don't want to come across sounding unintelligent. But this lady began to thank God for all of the miraculous things that happened to us every single day within our bodies. Because what she began to realize the moment she walked out of that church was that she was a living, breathing miracle. And so this is what she said. It said, as soon as she left church, she thanked God for her aerobic respiration. She took a big breath in and she thanked God. And as she began to move, she thanked God for mitochondria, which at that moment were making ATP in order to give her body energy. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I never wanted to hear biology again. I'm bringing you back. At that moment, she began to move. She thanked God for mitochondria because mitochondria create ATP for her body, which gives us energy. She then began to thank God for glycolysis. She said, thank you, God, for pyruvate. And I know for a lot of us right now, you're not that medical, uh, not that biological. You're like, what is the guy? Stay with me. It's going to make more sense. She said, thank you, God, for all of these things. Thank you, God, for amino acids. And then she began to walk, and she said, oh, my gosh, thank you, God, for the bones in my body. Thank you for the tendons in my leg, the tendons in my knees that helped me flex. As she got home and she began to eat dinner, which was full of all of these vegetables, she said, thank you, God, for creating photosynthesis in order that these plants could grow. Thank you, God, uh, for, for, for giving me, and as she's eating and she's enjoying this food, she said, thank you, God, for the bacteria in my stomach that breaks down this food and allows me to eat it. As music began to play, she said, thank you, God, for my ears, cochlea. And she ate and she looked down at her jeans and she said, thank you, God, for the cotton plant that helped me make all of the clothes, help the people make all the clothes that I'm wearing. 
You see, the point I'm trying to get across is that as her day went on, every little thing that she did was connected to something that was happening within her that she couldn't see. And if anyone, and I know, I apologize, I feel like I never wanted to go back to biology class, I'm bringing you back. For any of us, all of us that are watching this, if you can see me, if you can hear me, there are literally thousands and millions of things going on in your body right now in order that you can hear my voice. And if you can hear my voice, you should praise God because there is a miracle happening in our bodies. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this. Anyone that knows anything about our bodies, and perhaps you've experienced it, you know that if one little thing is off, if one little thing goes wrong, all of a sudden you will actually cease to work. And at some point, I, I, I know this to be true, we will experience it. We will experience that one little thing go wrong in our body and suddenly everything can change. Now, the reason I'm telling us is this, because what I'm trying to paint is that every single thing that is happening in our lives, everything that we do is by the grace of God. The fact that you can wake up is a miracle. The fact that you can lift weights is a miracle. The fact that you have the brain capacity to, to, to think to reason. It's a miracle and it's a gift from God. And so what I'm saying is this, when we have that mindset that says everything I have is mine, not only are we not giving credit where credit is due, what we don't understand is that everything could be taken from us in a moment. And so what God is trying to do, he's trying to shift our thinking and he's trying to get us to praise. Because what happens when we praise is that praise begins to put my possessions into perspective. In other words, when I praise, when I literally thank God for every single thing in my life, I begin to see, wait a second, what I have is not my own. It's a gift from God. I submit this. Every single one of us, we say this, we believe this. I have what I have because of the grace of God. You see, what greed says is that I have what I have because of what I have done. Grace says it's all because of God. Now what happens is this, when we don't put our praise um, into perspective, if we don't praise, whatever we don't turn into praise will turn into pride. Whatever we don't turn into praise will turn into pride. What do I mean by that? The moment we begin to stop looking at the miraculous, the moment we begin to think this is mine, the moment we stop praising is when pride comes into our hearts. And that's where that debt begins to build. The debt that says, I owe me. I owe me. It's funny in the story that Jesus tells, nowhere does the farmer begin to thank God. Nowhere in the parable does the farmer say, oh my gosh, thank you for this year. Thank you for this harvest. What he does is what so many of us do. We say, oh man, lucky me. I got a little bit more this year. Lucky me. I got a raise this year. Lucky me. But what God is trying to do is God is trying to get us to flip our perspective. You see, one thing I know to be true is this. For so many of us, when we lack, we have no problem asking God why we lack. You guys ever been there? Like, like when we get laid off, we have no problem saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? 
When we feel like we're not making ends meet, it's like, God, how come the bills aren't being paid? God, how come I'm not getting a raise? When we are lacking, we have no problem asking God why. I want to begin to flip our perspective a little bit this morning. Because one thing I believe to be true is this. For so many of us, when we have, when we have extra, when we have excess, how many of you guys ever ask God, why? God, why have you given me this? God, why have you, why have you given me this job? For those of us, because I know there are so many people right now, and we are praying for you, we are behind you that have lost their jobs. But for those of you right now, you still have a job to go to. Those of you who still are making an income, when was the last time you stopped and asked yourself, God, why do I still have this job? Why do I still have, because we have no problem asking when we lack. But what if we began to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? What do you want me to do with the extra? Can I be honest? When I get an extra of anything in my life, my first response is not to say, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? We're online right now. We can just be real. One thing that happened for us, we just had twins, and so um, two babies, and because of whatever factors, the government gives us uh, money, child tax benefits, I believe is called. So a little extra cash, come on, somebody. But one thing that happened, when we got that check in the mail, I'm going to be straight up. I did not ask God why I got this money. I did not ask God what he wants me to do with this money. You know what I thought to myself? I can probably golf some more this summer. Come on, so I'm just being honest. And that's why I said this message wasn't just convicting. It's convicting for me. Because I had to begin to ask myself, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? You see, here's the reality. For so many of us, we're on this quest for more. I just want more. I want more money. I want a bigger house. I want a larger income, a better car. I want more, more, more. Can I tell you something? Listen to this. As long as you are on the quest for more, when more comes, you will always assume it's for you. The reason you're blessed was for you. The reason I got it was for me. But what God is trying to ask us this morning, if we get anything, what if we began to ask, why? God, why have you given me extra? Why? For those of you guys, if, if you've been around our church, um, you've heard me online. One thing that I say, you know, I don't try to hide it. I say I'm not that manly in terms of like my skills with stuff. Like uh, I can't build very well. I don't know a lot about cars. And so all this quote unquote uh, manly stuff, um, I'm not that, I don't got it. But one thing that I do have is that I know how to change tires. Come off somebody. And the reason I know how to change tires is because my father-in-law taught me, and I think he taught me because he said, if you're going to marry my daughter, you better at least be able to change tires. And so one thing that I know how to do is change tires. Anyone that's ever changed tires, you're saying to yourself, that's not really that hard. To that, I say, just give me something, please. And so I know how to change tires. And so last or a few weeks ago, um, I changed the tires in my wife's car, and I changed the tires on my car. And when I finished, I had the grease on me, and I felt good, and I felt manly. And so we changed our tires, all that good stuff. And then later on that same week, uh, Christy and I went to Walmart to go pick up some things. And as we were leaving Walmart, 
um, we were walking, and as we were walking back to our car, there was a man in the parking lot sitting in his front seat of his car. He was an older gentleman, probably in his 60s or 70s, and he had a flat tire. And so he was sitting in his car on his phone with a flat tire, and as I walked by, I had this thought in my head. I was like, oh, man, that guy probably needs some help. Maybe I should go help him. And so what I began to do is I just continued walking. (laughs) I just felt it continue to walk. Let me tell you something real quick. It's a side note about greed. Because for a lot of us, it's like, man, I'm not greedy because I really feel bad a lot of times. Like, I see need. Listen, greed is not an emotion. Greed is a failure to act. That's what greed is. And so I felt it in that moment. Like, I need to help this guy. But I just kept walking. Now, thankfully, when we got back to our car, um, as soon as you stepped into the car, Christy said something. She said, hey, uh, you should probably go ask that guy if he needs help. Because I guess apparently the spirit of the Lord was speaking to her as well. And uh, as soon as she said that, I felt sheepish. And I, sheepish, and I said, yeah, uh, I should probably go help him. And now, for any of you guys, some quick dating advice. The reason I believe the Lord put Christy in my life is to take me to a place that I probably wouldn't go myself. And so if you're dating someone and they can't take you higher than you would go yourself, leave. Free advice. She said, Harrison, you should probably go and help that guy. (laughs) I said, yeah, I should probably go help him. So I went over and I asked him, I said, hey, sir, do you need help? And he said, yeah. He said, it turns out my car jack is so old. uh, It's so rusted over, you can't even twist it. And so what happened is I went and I got the car jack um, from my car and we changed the guy's tire. It did not take long. And as soon as I finished, the guy just kept saying the same thing over and over again. He said, thanks a million. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. And I said, no problem, sir. And I got in my car and I drove away. Now, the reason I'm telling you guys this story is because this last week I felt the spirit of the Lord speak to me. Because what happened when I learned how to change my tires all those years ago is that I assumed the reason that I had learned to change tires was for me. I thought the reason I knew how to change tires was so I could save us a couple bucks every year, didn't have to go to Cal Tire, I could do it myself, maybe my wife would be a little more attracted to me, come on somebody. I thought I was learning these skills for me, but I felt God speak so clearly to me this week. You know what he said? He said, the reason you know how to change a tire was for that man. He said, that's why you know how to change a tire. He said, it was for that man and it's for the next person that comes up. Now listen, Where am I going? I'm trying to challenge us with this because I don't care what it is. If you have an excess in any area of your life, if God has given you something anywhere, what if we could begin to flip our perspective and not say, what can I do for me with this? But God, what do you want me to do for others? Because what greed is, greed says it's me, me, me. But God says, man, it's all about other people. What if we began to ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? Can I speak to all my unemployed people right now? Because you're saying to yourself, man, I don't have any extra. I just got, I'm going to be real. What if right now in this moment you said to yourself, I am not going to complain one more day. I'm not going to sit around one more day and wonder why I don't have money. I'm going to start asking myself, God, what do you want me to do with this newfound free time? Come on, somebody. Because here's the reality. Any deficit we have in our lives brings an excess somewhere else. And so what if we began to ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? What if we began to ask why? Look what happens in the parable. 
Because the man gets this blessing and he thinks it's all for himself. I'm going to save it. I'm going to store it. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then what will you get with all that you have prepared for yourself? You see, this man, what happened was a great tragedy, and he believed something that many of us believe. You see, the man thought that because he had an abundance of things, he had an abundance of time. But the two are not mutually exclusive. You want to know the tragedy of this story and the tragedy of life? You will run out of time far sooner than you will ever run out of things. But so many of us live our lives looking, chasing after more, more, more. What if we began to ask us, ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? Now, for some of us, you're saying to yourself, well, hold on, Harrison, I'm confused. Like, are you saying that God does not want me to save? Are you saying that God does not want investments? God does not want college funds, TF? Are you saying God does not want me to have money? Are you saying God does not want me to have? That's not what I'm saying. If I were to give a very succinct definition for greed, it's this. A greedy person is someone that saves carefully but gives sparingly. They save carefully but they give sparingly. Can I say something right now? There's nothing wrong with having Apple Music. There's nothing wrong with having Spotify. There's nothing wrong with having Netflix. Nothing wrong with having a house or a car. There is nothing wrong. But let me tell you something very, very true, but hard. If you are living a life with no margin, in other words, if you are spending exactly what you are getting in, you are greedy. That's what Jesus is saying. If we are living a life with no margin, we're greedy. If you're living a life where you literally say, because I meet the, I have no time to serve. I have no time to help anyone. My time is so important. My time is money. Time is If we live a life with no margin, I'm going to speak, you are greedy. Greed is in your heart. But what we're trying to do in this series, what I'm trying to do in this message is I am trying to relieve us from guilt. How do we do it? From greed. How do we do it? We flip the blessing. What that means is this. Anytime God has given us something, anything, be it time, be it talent, be it a treasure, we begin to ask the question, God, why have you given this to me? Can I speak on talent for a second? I believe there is no greater tragedy in life than this. God has given you the ability to do something that someone else cannot do, and you say to yourself, this is for me. This is just for me. If God has given you something, it isn't for you. I just believe that to be true. God wants us to flip the blessing. Whatever God has given to us is for someone else. Look what happens next. Verse 20. He says, your life will be taken. Then he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now some of us are like, hold up. Are you saying if I'm not generous, God's gonna kill me? He's gonna strike me down? That's not what he's saying. You wanna know what he's saying? He's saying, if we are not generous, if we do not flip the blessings in our lives, guess what? You will actually live a life that is void of purpose. 
You will actually live a life where you are not created, where you are not doing what you were created to do. That's what he's saying. He's saying the more you try to build and build and build, the more you live with this worldview that everything is for me. The reason my business did so well was for me. The reason my investments did so well was for me. The reason my rental properties are all full was for me. If that is the way that we live our lives, you will actually live a life that is void of purpose. But if you want to begin to live in the way that God has created us to be, we give. We flip it. We live with the perspective. Listen to this. Everything, everything that happens in our lives, what if we begin to ask ourselves, God, why have you given me this? What do you want me to do with the extra? Can I just believe this? I just believe this to be true. Our lives were meant to be a blessing. And I believe this to be true. God wants to bless you beyond belief. Now, some of you guys are like, is that prosperity gospel? No, I believe this to be true. God wants to bless you. But here's the thing. God does not bless us to raise our standard of living. God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. In other words, every good thing that he gives us, it's not for us. That's the beauty of the gospel. God wants to give us heavenly blessings, rich blessings. God wants to give us talent and abilities, but it's not for us. It's for other people. It's to flip it. That's what God wants to do in our lives. And that's why I'm passionate about this subject. Because the reality is, yes, does greed eat away at us? Uh Uh-huh, 100%. But the biggest tragedy of greed is this. You have something within you, whether it be time, whether it be talent. For some of y'all, it's money. And God has amazing things that he wants to do through you. But we hoard it. And we keep it in. We say, I owe me. I owe me. But what if, Harrison? I want to give, but what if? What if? What if you missed out on the life that God wanted you to live because you were too scared to trust him? If you were too scared to take him at his word that says, give to me and I'll do more than you could ever imagine. God never blesses us to raise our standard of living, but it's to raise our standard of giving. Now, as we close this message, like every message in this series, I want this to be super practical. Because for some of us right now, we're saying to ourselves, man, like, oh, that sounds good. Like, God has something up. Like, I don't know where to start. Like, it's, it's hard. It's, I'm going to be straight up. If you have lived a life that's been all about you, you're number one. Everything comes from me. Oh, my gosh, I'm blessed so I can go get Starbucks. If that's the life you lived, it's going to be hard. So I want to give us four practical steps, four ways that we can begin to give, and they're going to build on each other. But if we can put these practical things into our lives, we will begin to see God do things through us that we could not even begin to imagine. So number one is this, super simple, give spontaneously. Give spontaneously. This is, this is the, the base point of giving. Give sponta- What does that look like, Harrison? That means to give spirit-led. That means if you feel something, if you feel God probing on your heart, give. Because what I said before, it's one thing to feel, but greed isn't a feeling. It's the ability where we don't act when we could. We don't act when we feel like we should. So we give spontaneously. If there's a need I can meet, I give. If there's someone I can bless, I bless them. And there's no strings attached. There's no date. I don't need a birthday to bless you. I don't need an event to bless you. I'm going to give spontaneously. Because God has given so much to me. That's the first level. Number two is this. We give consistently. Now, practically speaking, this means recurring giving. Now, like anything, when it comes to consistency, 
it's not always going to be easy. Anyone that's ever worked out will tell you that it's hard at the very start. It's hard to run. It's hard to go to the gym. But anyone that has ever made it to the other side will tell you the only way to get there is through consistency. And so giving is the exact same way. If you want to become generous, if you want greed to leave your heart, you have to give consistently. Super practical. How do I do that? Pick your favorite nonprofit and give to them consistently. It doesn't have to be Kingdom Church. If, it, if it's Kingdom Church, amazing. We promise you that we're going to use your funds to bless other people. That's why God has blessed us. If it's a church, amazing. Give consistently. If it's your nonprofit, it's the food bank, give consistently. Because that is how we will begin to release greed from our hearts. Number three is this. Give proportionately. What does that mean? Proportionately means to give in terms of what you have. And the most practical way to give proportionally, I could say it like this, give a percentage. Give a percentage. Now, in the Bible, it speaks about the idea of a tithe. What's a tithe? A tithe is the first 10%. Now, for a lot of us, when it comes to that 10%, I'm going to be honest. If you've been given 0%, 10% is a big jump. Here's the beauty of the Bible. 10% is not something that we have to go to. It's not a standard. It's a good practice, but we don't have to. And so when I say to people, give proportionally, I say, hey, pick a percentage. Maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 2%, maybe it's 3%. But give it. And here's the beauty. And I'll talk about tithe more in a second. The word tithe in the Bible literally means first fruits. It means first. Give first. If you want to begin to give proportionally, if you want to see greed begin to dissipate from your life, you give the first. You see, so many of us, we give the last. It's like, I'll give what's left over. One practice we put into our lives and our homes, anytime we get a paycheck, we don't even look at it, we don't breathe on it, we tithe it. We give 10% of it back. It's the first fruits. And here's the reality. I'm not giving it back. I'm just giving to God what's already his. He's the owner. It's just mine to manage. And so I want to encourage you, every single person out there, pick a percentage. And for a lot of you guys, here's the beauty. You're like, man, I've been doing 10% my entire life. God bless me. Can I challenge you? What if next year, what if next week he's at 11%, 12%? I have a goal, and I'm not sure how I'll get there on my pastor's salary, but one day I would love to reverse tithe. What's that? That's giving away 90% and keeping 10. I don't know how it's going to happen, but Lord, make it happen. We give proportionally. Number four is the last one. Give radically. Now, these all work in levels, and, these are, and we have to build our way up. To give radically is the hardest and the highest level. To give radically means this. We give above and beyond what we think we can actually give. The, the word radical, you can literally say give dangerously. I love one thing we do at the church. We take a year-end offering, and we hope you're around in December for that year-end offering. But we call it an above and beyond offering. We give above and beyond because we believe that God will do above and beyond. This is the highest level of giving and the hardest level to get to because it requires 100% trust in God. A trust in God to say, God, I'm going to believe that you can do more with what I give. I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. You want to know why we give above and beyond? You know why we strive for radical? It's because although radical can seem crazy, there's a belief in there that God can do more with what I, than what I could do myself. 
God can do more. I love the story in the Bible of the boy that brings five loaves of bread and two fish. Because what happens in that story is that the boy literally gives everything. That's all that he had. His gift was radical. Now, if you know how the story goes, what happens is that Jesus feeds 5,000 people and there's 12 baskets left over. Come on, somebody. In other words, whatever he put in, God actually had leftovers after. But I want to encourage us with this. Until we can begin to give radically, until we can begin to give at all, we will never see the miracle of multiplication. What's the miracle of multiplication? It's the belief that whatever I give, God is going to do with it more than I could ever imagine. My talent, my times, my treasures. If I give it, God's going to do more with it than I could myself. Why don't we pray right now together? God, thank you so much for this word, Lord. I just pray for every single one of us that is trying to battle this thing within us, this constant belief that we need more, this idea that we don't have enough. God, I pray that we can begin to live our lives for you. I pray that we can begin to just give, to be generous, and so we can remove the grip that guilt has on our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time and for this space. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, if you would like to connect with us, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We look forward to connecting with you. Until next time, take care.